You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo. Today, to help me recording this uh, episode, I have Coach Philip. Philip, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Diego? I'm not too bad, not too bad. So I know that you are bringing a guest uh, to our uh, podcast today. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit more about the guest that um, we have? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, today I'm going to be speaking to uh, an athlete I've been working with now uh, for about a year. And uh, the interesting uh, thing, though, I think it's careful, we've got to be careful not to define uh, someone by, I guess, what they have. But the interesting thing for me as a coach is that she she has endometriosis, uh, which she will certainly go into a lot more detail around because it, it does impact her training day to day and very much randomly. And so um, I'm really looking forward to understanding uh, with this guest of ours how how they manage their training, the symptoms that she has from endometriosis. Uh, and also the performance, because there's a lot of implications on that. I, as a coach, I've done a lot of learning around what endometriosis is, and um, I'm sure I'm only scraping the surface of it. So yeah, I'm really excited to introduce um, today's guest and have a conversation with them just to see, um, kind of really, and understand what happens and, ha- and how they work through training, because there's some, there's some interesting conversations to be had there, for sure. And what, um, what do you think we can expect uh, from the conversation we're going to have today? So I, th- I think we're going to find, um, find out a lot more about endometriosis, which is, which is an ailment uh, affecting a significant proportion of female athletes. Again, I'm sure we'll find out more around the stats because uh, I guess it's quite, um, quite vocal and, and, and quite forthcoming about these sort of things. Um, so I think we're going we're gonna to uncover a lot more around, um, around endometriosis, uh, which, by the way, it is endometriosis month. Um, so we should be looking into it and finding out more as well. Um, so we'll find out more about that. But I think the interesting thing, the bit which is going to be really fascinating, is how how someone can still perform or how they can still look to perform. Uh, because quite often, um, athletes with endometriosis, you know, they'll suffer sig- like really seriously painful um, period cramps or uh, menstrual pain. I think I saw a pretty horrific explanation about something like having someone trying to pull barbed wire outside from the inside out of you kind of thing. Like it's really, really excruciatingly painful. Um, So I think we're going to find out how someone can endure that kind of pain and then still want to endure a training type of pain either at the same time or separately. So I think that's going to be a really interesting conversation around the athlete's psyche. And I think we're also going to find out some interesting and practical advice around someone um, who, who can't really follow if you like, the standard approaches that athletes might use around nutrition, day-to-day fueling, and things like that. A lot of the time, endometriosis um, can come alongside, isn't the right word, but um, it, it can come across that you almost have IBS or irritable, irritable bowel syndrome as well. So that can affect quite a few runners and athletes, and there's a lot of conversations around that. But it means that fueling and planning fueling is really hard because the symptoms from endometriosis come on randomly. Um, or apparently randomly, and then at the same time, um, you know, you're worried about well, if I do take this on now, if you, I need the fuel, what's that going to do to me in a few minutes' time or a few hours' time? So I think we're going to have a really fascinating conversation around personal trial and um, improvement to see, you know, what 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 experiments work around nutrition and what what can be done differently or better uh, in order to help um, help them perform because endurance sports you know you can't get away with just doing one quick race fairly get your nutrition in early and then you don't need to worry about taking on anything else for a while you know if you're looking at doing half Ironman or Ironman races which this athlete is then you know suddenly it's a really important part of uh, of your performance and component of how you're going to achieve and how you're going to do so I think there's gonna be some really interesting conversations around I guess the how does someone manage that and then I think there's gonna be some practical stuff which we can take away which we can all take away around perspective and uh, and understanding around uh, what maybe we thought we could do and how we could do do those sort of things better it looks very very interesting to be honest with you um, I'm looking forward to to hear what our guest uh, has to say and I know it's going to be a, an amazing uh, talk between both of you 
So I just hope that our listeners um, find the same. What do you think they're going to like most about this, uh, this talk? Well, the, the, the individuals are infectiously kind of joyful, happy. I mean, as I told you, these sort of things can be really excruciatingly painful and, um, and it's not really necessarily understood or spoken about at all. It's getting a little bit more um, traction, if you like. As I said, mm-hmm. March is endometriosis month, so you know, we, we can celebrate, if that's the right word, uh, that, but also the successes that um, female athletes um, or, or, or women around the world are able to you know, do the things they can do with with endometriosis, um, but uh, I, I think I, I think it's just going to it's, it's going to be amazing to see how this positivity comes in in a place which actually is really hard. You know, it is really hard to not know what's going to happen, and I think she's going to. Um, you know, I think people will really enjoy listening to to how she brings that positivity and a uh, you know, great outlook in in life and and sports. So I, I think that will be that will be something quite fun to to enjoy. Well. Shall we start um, the episode then? Yeah, let's go for it. See you then. Millie, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Nice to be here. Great for you to join us for the uh, Believe, Strive, Achieve uh, podcast today. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. So I wanted to just start off, um, you you and I have been coaching we're working together as a coach athlete for what about a year or so yeah just over a year just over a year exactly how time flies when you're having fun (laughs) so um I wanted just to start off and we're going to go into a few of the real specifics around why I guess I chose to have you on this podcast but first of all just give us a little bit background how did you end up finding your way into endurance sports and triathlon um, yes, yeah, so I suppose it was um, a, a perk of COVID. Um, everything was cancelled. Um, I used to do obstacle course racing and sort of trail trail running, but then everything was cancelled and um, I really missed racing. And the only race that seemed to be happening was a castle triathlon series um, triathlon. So I sort of signed up. I don't really do things by half me- measures. So I walked into a shop, bought the only bike I could find. Um, and luckily fell in fell in love with it um then realized I was you know really enjoyed it I was a swimmer as a as a child which I think helped that I knew I could both swim and really enjoyed that part of it although could ride a bike but had never really ridden a, a bike apart from when I was small um so fairly new to the sport but absolutely hooked from the first from the first race um always been pretty driven um so that's sort of when I found you and got a coach and now here we are a year later Indeed, here we are a year later. So uh, clearly, very much hooked and, and loving it, which is which is awesome. And I guess now's a great time to to pick up. I mean, what, one of the things which I uh, think is fascinating around how you found your way into endurance sports is that you are um, someone who has endometriosis. And um, before we go into what that actually means for you and the implications around training and sport and racing. Um, it would be great for those of us and the listeners who don't really know what endometriosis is to explain what endometriosis is. And um, I guess we'll kickstart off. You know, this month, March, is endometriosis month. So I guess a bit about what it is and you know why, why we have a month dedicated to it. Yeah, so a first thing to say is I'm not a medical expert or qualified in any sense. So this is all stuff that kind of going through lived experience myself. Um, but endometriosis is actually a really common condition. About one in 10 women suffer with it. Um, hopefully people have now heard of the word until about, I don't know, six months ago when it's been um, government policies, a lot has changed, has been lobbied for change. But actually relatively few people had heard of it. Um, in essence, it's a condition um, where cells similar to the ones in the lining of your womb, so your uterus, are found elsewhere elsewhere in the body. So each month these cells react the way they would um, to those in the womb. So they, they build up and then break down um, and bleed. But unlike um, in the womb that leave your body as a, as a period, they have no way to escape. So they build up causing inflammation and formation of scar tissue, which can cause a, a lot of pain. Um, it can actually inform, form anywhere anywhere in the body. Um, it doesn't have to just be on the lining of the uterus. Mine, for example, is mainly on my bladder, um, but it can be anywhere. It has even been found on the eyes. Um, so the amount of scar tissue actually doesn't correspond to the severity of symptoms. And it, it's common. It's one in 10 women roughly that experience it, but that can really vary to what they actually go through, and what they experience. Everybody's 
um, experience is, is different. There are various treatments and help to help manage it, but there's currently no no cure. So I, for example, have surgery to keep the scar tissue at bay. But again, everybody has has different treatment plans. And so why do we have a, a month for endometriosis aside to, to raise awareness? You know, what's been going on this month? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So Endometriosis UK have actually rebranded Endometriosis Awareness Month to Endometriosis Action Month um, because a lot more needs to be done. Um, typically, a diagnosis can take seven seven years, um, seven to ten years seven for a years. woman. Seven years for a woman to be to be diagnosed um, because uh, I mean multiple multiple reasons. It's often down to the fact that um, even with the best one in the world, doctors didn't really know, don't really know what it is. It can um, it obviously comes. It appears at the onset of, of puberty often. And you're a teenager, you're going through teenage hormones, it's often kind of diagnosed as teenage stress or exam stress, or it's just period pain, you'll learn how to how to live with it. So a lot more needs to be done to kind of change the system and the way that women who are going through these things, whether it's a young age or, or coming out it older, are treated and, and diagnosed. Um, and it, yeah, it's relatively unknown, despite being so, so common. So part of the action is to um, help get better diagnosis, better treatment, um, lobby government to, to have more, um, not my area at all, but more policies, understanding endometriosis and getting it into the, the conversation so women can get the support that they that they need. So when you and I started working together, a, lot, a big part of the initial part <laughs> I was doing was trying to work out what this meant um, for you as a, as a person before we even had conversations around, you know, what does it mean for you as an athlete? And I guess for, for people who, like me, and have never had any sort of period or menstruation cramps ever, and for also women as well who either, you know, have milder versions of uh, menstrual cramps or uh, period pains, as they're sometimes commonly known, what can the symptoms feel like or what do the symptoms feel like uh, for you? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a whole range of symptoms. And again, it will differ from, from person to person, but it's most commonly characterized by um, symptoms around your period. So painful periods, um, prolonged, um, prolonged bleeding, really heavy periods, um, back pain, leg pain, a lot of tiredness and fatigue that comes with that. Um, I get a lot of bloating. Um, another common symptom is painful bowel movements. Um it also can cause things like infertility, pain during sex, um, things like that. Um, I think one of the ways um, we, we describe people with endometriosis have lots of different ways to describe the describe the pain, which sort of sounds sounds ridiculous when you when you say it. Um, but people describe it as your your insides being twisted, um, twisted and scraped with hot knives, uh, carrying lead weights in your legs, um, barbed wire being pulled pulled through you being gnawed at by a wild animal which all sounds I think you posted those two quite <laughs> recently and I thought that's um that's great just before we have this chat but it's that I mean it really is very vividly clear just how painful I mean but putting barbed wire from outside of you doesn't or outside from inside doesn't doesn't seem pleasant in any way shape or form clearly it's not but this is something that you and, and other women go through at various degrees every month and yeah, not just one month. day more no, it than can one be day at least. Days at a time. It can be, you know, it can be one day, it can be no days that month, it can be a couple of days. And I think the reason women kind of come up with these ways of describing it is because historically we've not been taken very seriously and people haven't quite believed the pain. So that's why we have these quite creative ways of describing what the pain feels like to get across just how how horrific it can can be. I'm I'm actually relatively lucky um in, in the scheme of things. I don't suffer that badly I have a couple of days a month around my period that are very very bad but outside of that my pain is is very manageable and it's mainly mainly bloating so in that regard I'm quite quite lucky. So I mean how, how many how many female athletes like yourself then say you know what I'm going to try and do is I'm actually going to try and put consistent training in place in order to go towards a really big important goal the triathlon you know, you're looking at doing some long distance racing as well um, this year so now you, you put all that time in and, and we know that skip days um, in training are one of the biggest costs, if you like, to performance. And yet, you know, we've been working together and I know with you, there are days, admittedly not that many, I was expecting more when we first <laughs> looking into this, um, where, you know, you, you just, training is just not even 
on the on the table as an option because you really are in a lot of pain or it's going to be very difficult or otherwise so i mean how 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 many people i mean if 10 percent of women are um you know experiencing some form of endometriosis you know, i guess the athlete population is even 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 more sparse or rarer yeah i mean i think the thing to say with this as well is it's endometriosis is one one example there are a lot of similar conditions so um you know whether it's polycystic ovarian system or other gynecological conditions there will be a lot of people out there even those who and i say just and i don't mean just but just suffer with bad periods that is a very real thing that women are women are going through so there's a lot of us out there that are training through through these things i mean any um a lot of female athletes will have periods so even if it's just you know at that time they get pain that is something we need to take into account with training that coaches need to be need to be aware of so when we're, we're planning a, a training week or even a i guess a training month um we had a conversation myself and a few of the other female athletes i work with for international women's day where i said you know give me some feedback on the sort of things which can be practical advice and i remember the the thing which really jumped out me a lot in a big way was when you know i was just setting a 30 minute 35 minute commute for an athlete um there and then 35 minutes back and every single time that athlete was doing that um session which was multiple times in a week because it was a commute they had to sit there and think okay do i go down the busier roads where i'm kind of taking on the traffic or do i go down a quieter road or quieter country lane but I'm going to feel less safe. And it was a real kind of shock to me as a, as a coach, as a male coach, that's not something obviously I've necessarily ever thought about in day in, day out. But um, on a slightly different vein, you know, we're looking at a training week, a training block. You know, what, what are the sort of things that you're considering then specific to you um, when you're looking at that training week to try and make sure you maximize it for what you're doing and also allowing for, for I guess, possible endometriosis pains because it's not always i will get it every single time on the 26th day um, of my cycle leading into my period or anything like that yeah completely and i think that's that's one of the things particularly with my endometriosis and other others as well is it can be wholly unpredictable so you'll find one minute and then curled in a ball unable to move move the next so i suppose you as my coach and i are always aware that that plan can go out the window so when when preparing for that training week or that training training block both of us being aware that actually that it will have to adapt, adapt and change is, is the first point. I like to maximise when I feel good. So if I don't fancy a swim because I can't be bothered to get on my bike and it's raining and it's I don't want to go, I remind myself that tomorrow I could be stuck in my bed. So it's actually a joy to feel okay and get it done, done today. So kind of really maximising those days where you do feel good and do feel positive. Um, I think also reminding yourself that it's okay to miss a session and that goes for anyone whether it's you know you're dealing with endometriosis or not kind of training good training plans are built around the fact that athletes are unlikely to complete a hundred percent of of the sessions you know very very few of us will probably have an entirely green training peaks year um obviously we want to do as much as possible but but it's okay to sometimes go actually you know what i need right now is not to try and smash out a an ftp session on the bike it's actually to to, to sit down, have a relax, get my nutrition right. I think that's that's important to remember that it's it's okay. And how much can your nutrition, day to day, your fueling, your diet, and everything else, impact the uh, the symptoms you might be feeling through that training week or, or block again? Yeah. So one of the ways to manage endometriosis is through good nutrition. So outside of sport, in general, managing, making sure your kind of nutrition is is right and you're eating healthily inverted commas because that can mean a whole range of things but you're eating the right things and knowing what works for you is really really important uh, my endometriosis causes me a lot of gut problems so I find eating quite a painful experience and can't eat as normally per se as perhaps other can others can so extra thought has to go into how to fuel my my training and racing it's something that we're working on at the moment and it might take me a bit longer than perhaps another athlete to really figure out how I'm gonna fuel an Ironman how I'm going to get through long training sessions because things do trigger trigger symptoms for me but again planning that in and understanding that actually a big part of my journey is going to be the the fueling side of things and that's that's part of the journey and perhaps using the bad days to test out some fuel knowing that I'm not feeling great and what's that going to feel like when I'm on the bike I'm not feeling well but I need to to take some fuel in to get through it I think that's a really 
I guess, striking point that you're making there, that you're looking at your training week ahead of you. You know, the weekend you sit there, you look ahead at the the next week's training, like all great athletes do, um, honestly, not just uh, some training peaks this morning. Okay, <laughs> fine. Um, so, you know, you sat there, you're looking at your week ahead and um, you're looking down the barrel of it and you have no idea if you can complete, if you can even start those sessions, not for any other reason, but just for the, the fact you might suddenly have significant pain or symptoms um, on board but also then you need to really think about what the nutrition is that you want to beyond have I got the right fuel during the session, before the session, after the session. And I know we, when we speak about um, fueling, uh, obviously fueling for female athletes is something which we want to really make sure is absolutely spot on. But you're sat there going, but I, I don't know if I want to have it. And I know some of the conversations that we've had is, have been like, well, I've, I managed to do this run. I was able to take on board water. You know, that was a huge yeah. step for you. And I'm like, great. <laughs> if we're running 42K at the end of an Ironman, we're going to probably have to take on a little bit more than just water, um, especially if you're deciding to go somewhere which is known to be quite warm. Um, and so, you know, you, you're looking down these training stuff and there's there's so many, I guess, limitations or barriers that could surface that you're, you know, you're managing on a, on a day-to-day, week-to-week, block-to-block um period so, i mean how how do you stay so so positive around around all of that looking looking into it uh, the first thing to say is i don't always um I, in general i am quite positive about it and manage to turn it kind of to my advantage but of course i have bad days and that's that's all right um i'm doing something that most people will never never do um i will i will have not yet but i will finish an, an ironman i've done my halves already and i'm doing it with my extra endometriosis demons that that sort of fires me up to be the best I I can be um because my flare-ups and endometriosis can be really unpredictable I'm learning how to cope on the worst days so that means that on the best days I'm I'm flying so if I can train through and sometimes I can't and that's and shouldn't and that's okay but if I can train through this I'm more equipped than most people to know how to deal with struggles during training during a race both physically and mentally I think the other side of it, and I don't particularly like being called inspirational, um, but I do know that by doing what I do, I, I inspire, for want of a better word, other people to find their thing. Not everybody is going to want to go and race an Ironman, but even if it's just getting down to their local park run when actually Sundays they're, they're floored by something like endometriosis, that that motivates me me too, knowing that I can play a very, very small part in helping other women get get active alongside endometriosis PCOS whatever they might be might be struggling with so what what I what I hear you you kind of saying there then is that you're actually turning those really bad days or maybe not the really bad days but the bad days where it's like I could do or could not you're turning that around from a really bad thing into a really positive and saying well actually this is my opportunity now to to train and and see what I can do um and, and kind of get more out of those training sessions, which is amazingly powerful. And if, I mean, that, that, sorry, it is inspiring. <laughs> if, you, if you can sit there and say, well, this is the worst day that I'm going to have, and I can still get out the door and do something, and, you know, in those dig, deep, dark moments of an endurance sport, you've got that to, to sort of call upon. Um, I mean, how, how else are you, you putting those sort of thoughts into, I guess, performance positives? I mean, that's almost a performance enhancer. You're turning, turning that whole mi- mindset around, saying it's not something which is limiting me. And I said that at the beginning, you know, these are these possible limitations and barriers to your training. You're saying, no, it's not a limitation. It's a real positive. Um, you know, it gives me the opportunity to you know, practice whatever it might be. So, I mean, ha- how else are you pulling these things into a performance, I guess, positive or bringing it into positive performances? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Um, and I think... I mean, a recent example. I did. I did an Olympic distance last last year now, and I had a hellish time on the the bike. It wasn't going well. I wasn't feeling good, and I I had a moment where I sort of thought, "Why do you do this? Your body is disease ridden, and you shouldn't be out here. You're not built to be to be doing these sort of sort of things. Just next time, stay stay at home." Um, and I drove myself into this 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 hole. But when I finished, I was so proud of my body for even being on the start line when it's easy to give up and accept that my body isn't isn't built for this but actually it absolutely is it will just have different limits so I think that the first thing that I've done is is know where my limits are that's been really key to accept them and know where they are and know which of the days I can train I'm feeling good which of the days I'm not feeling good but I can train and then 
understand, you know, if I'm going through a difficult session because it's really hard, um, whether it's a swim or a long bike or I'm trying to stay aero and actually I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with it, it, it's kind of bringing myself back to my, my why. Um, and I don't like saying the word overcome or defeating the endometriosis because it, it's not about that per se, but kind of bringing myself back to the reason I do all of this is because I, I do have endometriosis and I probably wouldn't be doing the endurance racing I was doing if I didn't have it because it it's the thing that spurs me on to go yeah you do have this thing but actually you can you can still do everything that you've wanted to do and it might take you a bit longer and it might be a bit harder but you can go you can finish those races you want to want to do so it's yeah it's really returning to what drives me and that helps on the kind of the dark days. So is the the kind of the drive to kind of I guess, stick two fingers up at endometriosis. Um, is that the bit which is more powerful for you? Or is it the knowledge that you are, to quote you, inspiring um, other, other people to maybe just go and do something which is a little bit beyond their own comfort zone? Uh, which, you know, which of those is the bit which is really dry, the driving force behind, I guess, why you're doing all the different sports and everything you want to do? I think they're linked. I think if I was going to put them in an order, um, ultimately it comes down to the fact that I want to cross that that finish line. I, I want to be doing that. And that's what is the kind of primary driver. But so linked to that is the fact that I know by doing that, other people will see that they can also doing it. So I actually think, despite being slightly different, they are the same sort of driving factor be, behind it all. Knowing that I can get to a finish line, I can, I can inspire um anybody to even if it's a park run if it's just kind of you know walking around that first park run when the day before they were um in the shower bleeding and unable to move that that really keeps me keeps me going but obviously if I didn't actually want to cross the line there are other ways you can you can try and encourage people to to do things there's a a bit of work by um uh, a lady called um Angela Duckworth I don't think it's I think it's Dr Angela Duckworth uh, on grittiness and if you come across no. How's that work? But they, um, a lot of the stuff you look into, I guess, around performance, and they look into a whole host of different different areas of performance, from uh, sales to military to sports to other areas like that. But what they look at in there is the idea that there's not just a single really clear goal that someone's working towards. In your case, now, for now at least, it was half Ironman, now it's Ironman. Um, so... I'm not looking forward to next season's coaching conversation. This could go, this could go very long. Um, but the, 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 the kind of other part of that is also by building the goal into something which is benefiting something greater than themselves. And I can see that that's really shining through uh, for what you're doing. Yes, you have your very clear goal and you're, you're trying to do what you're trying to do, but there's also that element of th- this is beyond me. This is beyond what I can do, but it's actually going to do, do other people great and good as well which is is amazing to see yeah completely and I think that that that's a really nice way of 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 putting it um and I think from you know I was quite active as a as a child and but we know that a lot of girls drop out of sport um not just kind of for for puberty reasons there are a lot of reasons they disengage from sport after primary school I think the stat is about 43 percent I work in sport development so I have I have the sneaky stats Um, but I think it's just under 50 percent of girls drop out of sport and physical activity after primary school um I, I didn't. I kept swimming. I was lucky. I kind of had a supportive network around me, but I wouldn't have dreamed at school to say the word period to a male swimming coach. It just wasn't something that that I would have done. Um, and I think there's we're going in the right direction. The fact we're even here on this podcast chatting about it means that the sport and sport in general is going the right direction. But there are a lot of women and girls out there who don't kind of have necessarily the support network around them to to understand if there's something if they are struggling with heavy periods or just they don't know how to kind of approach their their sport the more kind of I can do in my own small little space it's sort of a trigger effect and and more and more people will realize that they can they can get active and it's a really um, joyous thing to be doing. So I'm a coach Um, I coach um usually adults so they have some interaction with um younger athletes as well as well sorry but what would you say from your own experience i I mean again i i work with coaches i try and help develop coaches so i know what i would say to coaches but 
from your perspective and not just from that of a female athlete but that of a female athlete who has endometriosis so you could be a female working with a you know 15 16 year old um uh, girl going through puberty having endometriosis and it could be until they're 20 you know 22 before they even get anything diagnosed and they have an answer to this question so how can coaches male or female it doesn't it doesn't really matter at all um but i guess more so with men because we really don't know what any of it feels like um how can we sort of create an environment which is supportive um and one which makes an athlete feel comfortable to do you know, have those conversations ask those sort of questions from your perspective as an athlete who you did have that positive environment clearly what was it that worked for you and, and what else could other coaches take away it's a really important really important question I think you can you can initiate the conversation. So many women, particularly young girls, won't necessarily feel comfortable talking about their periods. Um, but by by you starting the conversation, you'll show from the off that you're comfortable about it. Just make it a normal thing to to be talking about. It shouldn't be this taboo subject. And luckily, in elite sport now, it's becoming less and less so. Um, there's there's a way to go, but and particularly at the school level, there's a long a long way to go. But I think including your willingness to talk about it as just the, the norm um can be a good good start um being prepared to have it as a you know i guess you know in our situation as a standing agenda item during your coaching calls um if female athletes want to not everybody not everybody will and it might be more important to others um than it than for everybody but being creating that space where almost you you bring it up so a female athlete doesn't have to sit there and think, I really want to talk about the fact that I didn't get my swim session done because my period was just too painful. But actually you've you've kind of brought it up and said, you know, how are you how are you feeling at, at the moment? I think that that can really help. There are a lot of apps out there as well that can help start those conversations um, with athletes that perhaps are less comfortable talking about it but are interested in it for themselves but want a bit more perhaps understanding of their own menstrual cycle before broaching the conversation with a coach so directing athletes to kind of resources that exist they can start exploring it themselves can be a great a great help um and I think it sounds like a very obvious one but you'd be surprised um never be never be dismissive you know when we say we're we're in pain we really are in pain I had to get out of a swim session recently and my coach who's not TTH um, wasn't wasn't happy and I had to go into some some quite detailed information about why I was getting out of that that pool um, so even now that the conversation is happening there are a lot of coaches who really struggle so I think kind of leading the way with um, you know age groupers um, initiating those conversations is is great and then finally I think being prepared to adapt adapt training like you would for any athlete it's not just limited to um, menstrual problems you know people get injured life happens things get in the way like every every good coach should be prepared to adapt adapt training but again perhaps having that as a um, an open conversation where your an athlete isn't scared to say I couldn't do this session because of x because they know that their, their plan is there to be adapted around their life yeah I, I definitely agree with that I know um Alan and I have had quite a lot of conversations going on because there is now a lot of conversations happening around the, the subject. The science still isn't there. So there isn't a way to resolve any of those issues, be that not even endometriosis, but you know, dealing with period, what's the right time of training dose to do? No one actually knows the answer to that. Um, so there's a lot of suggestions and ideas and things like that. But I think Alan put it really succinctly, which is you don't treat female athletes any differently. You treat them as you would every other athlete, which is as an individual you have to treat them as an individual. And I think um, by trying to bring in the conversation, as you said, do you have any niggles? Are there any injuries? You know, you, coaches ask those sort of questions all the time. And I know when I start working with any female athletes, I'll always just start off the conversation saying, you know, do you have uh, regular menstrual cycles? Really simple thing. It's part of the conversation. We, we don't have to go down that route in any more detail than that. But I'm making sure that we have that conversation started because for me it's it's an important part of knowing if an athlete's healthy um but equally it could be something which as you say is interrupting training cycles or sessions and as you found out on the receiving end of an of a coach sorry getting kind of frustrated and annoyed and can't really understand why you were jumping out in the session um actually that's the point where you want to go and do exactly the opposite thing instead of sort of 
going for attack, you want to sort of almost put your arm around and say, okay, what's up? How can we do um, things differently? How can we manage this and come and find the solution? Because there isn't, there isn't an answer. There's only your answer. And that changes as we know every day. In fact, sometimes every minute of every day, it can be very different. So um, yeah, I think it's a really challenging area for, for coaches and athletes to, to go through. And I mean, one thing which I, um, I guess we've kind of talked around, but you, you, you mentioned that you were, you know, you, you had to, to get out because it was quite so bad. But how do you cope both physically and then also, I guess, psychologically when you set yourself up, you've got, you know, you're really ready for it, you're pumped for the session, you know you're going to go and do uh, this, you feel really strong, and then you kind of get 10 minutes in, 15 minutes into the workout, um, and you're nailing it, and then suddenly, bang, something something gets in the way. You suddenly start having the bloatedness or the pains or, or anything that it is for you. How how do you cope with that? As I said, from a physical perspective, do you have any tips and techniques um, that work for you? But equally on the other side, you know, there is a psychological impact on that, and how do you manage with both of those areas? I think from a physical perspective, it's quite a tricky one to to answer. And I actually think you, um, in the previous thing we just talked about, you you hit the nail on the head by saying it's it's so individual. So, you know, how I manage it physically isn't going to work for for somebody else. But testing my limits and knowing what my coping strategies are has been a really key part of knowing what I need to do physically. So, knowing whether I should not go out at all for for a run or knowing whether I should go out and test the water and see where I'm at I'll know fairly quickly whether I need to reduce the intensity or call it a day or actually turn it from a um a threshold session into more of a technique session there are kind of things I've I've learned to manage and know what the limits are but that is something that I think is such an individual conversation about managing it physically um that I would yeah recommend testing the limits speaking to coaches about what you can do if actually you start a swim and it's meant to be a um a css test but actually it's not going to happen is it more beneficial to to get out or is there something else you can use that time that time for i think that the mental side of things um is a really interesting one and being kind to yourself is number one priority the goal is to um climb the mountain i think i think a tth analogy is um, the goal is to push the roundabout more quickly but not every push has to be be perfect so not every step along the way has to be perfect and kind of accepting that there will be sessions that you don't that you don't complete and that's that's okay um some days the best thing for my body and for my training as a whole the bigger picture will be to stay in bed with a heat pack um it would be detrimental to try and try and train and that's okay um other days it's about testing testing the water i think again like we spoke about it a bit bit earlier so at risk of repeating but everybody will have their their struggles I may need to deal with mine more more frequently but actually that just builds me into a stronger stronger athlete so on those those bad days that I might not feel like it at the time but deep down I know that's all part of actually creating creating the the best athlete I know that I can can be and trusting that that process sometimes for me it will be uh, getting excited about the next race so even though right now I'm I'm bed bound and I can't can't move visualizing being in Portugal in six months time is really really exciting other times it's actually just moving totally away from triathlon and remembering I'm a human human outside of triathlon and it's a massive part of my life but there's a lot of other things to it as well and actually you know taking that day that day off from thinking about triathlon can be can be ways that kind of I deal with it I think it's really interesting that you you always put two two slants on that first of all is knowing yourself which you're only going to know through experience and it's almost the, the longer you endure the symptoms and going through those different symptoms the cycle the, the warnings and everything else you're going to know more around um i guess what the indicators are to give you a bit of a heads up so you can make a better decision around what you should do and the other part of that is actually really knowing your sport it takes quite a lot of um both I guess, knowledge in terms of sports knowledge, coaching knowledge, for want of a better expression, um, to be able to say, you know something, I can't do this session, which is a hard interval session, but I can do an easy run and recognizing that's okay. And then rejuggling things around. Um, so it, it kind of takes a real amount of self-awareness, but also knowledge to be able to make really good decisions. So I guess as a coach, I'm hearing, I need to help the athlete with the knowledge of, well, okay, how can we 
adapt things and recognizing again it's it's okay to adapt things but that's true as you say for any athlete at any time you know think life does get in the way it's not just um, endometriosis which pops up and says hi i'm here um although obviously there's a there is that shadowing over you for quite a lot more of the um the sessions than maybe other people might have random life events getting in the way um but it does still take quite a lot of experience for an athlete to to know what the right thing is for them you know actually yes it is okay to stay stay in bed um or to be able to adjust on the fly what the session is because you know we don't train together i set your training program and you go off and do your training program and we talk about it um and so it, it must be quite difficult for for people i guess earlier on in their sporting career to sort of pick up the those parts and say you know something this is what i need to to do and i know how this session can be adapted so i get you know again you need to learn as much as you can about the sport to be able to do it and that's a good thing for any athlete if they're wanting to go and do well in in sport you know learn more about your sport as well I think the the psychological bit really is you know, that's hard because you're going to sit there on, on the one hand, you're saying, oh, I look at races and I feel really excited and I go and do them. And the other hand, I said, I just push all races away as far away as possible from me because I, I don't don't want to. And I, so there's two parts to this sort of, I guess, one is that's quite a lot of um, roller coaster of highs and lows around your own psychology of I can do this, I can't do this, um, which must have an effect on you. And then the second part is, most athletes live with other people um, very few of them live on their own so not only do you have to manage the highs and lows of racing not racing which actually goes beyond just sport you know how you're feeling day to day but then also the people that you're living with have to be able to experience that and hopefully they know you well enough that that's not a problem but I mean how, how do you manage I guess those highs and lows and also how do you manage the people around around you to get the best out of you um, you know, on any given day. It's really tough and there's no point sugarcoating it. There's not a kind of simple solution. It's very easy whether you are the athlete or the, or the, or the person suffering with something or, you know, the support network. It's really easy to feel helpless and not know how, how to act. I think because something, anything involving female hormones is so unpredictable, actually accepting that it is a roller coaster has been a big part part of it for me. So knowing that there will be very, very high highs and very low lows has been, um, that's been really impactful to go, actually, right, right now I'm, I'm experiencing a really exciting part of my sport and I'm really excited for the next race and that's great. But then tomorrow I might feel totally, totally different, but kind of knowing that, although it's, you know, it's a really difficult thing to be dealing with, but knowing that I will go through all of these sorts of emotions and it's not going to be no life is a straight line, right? Um, but add, add female hormones onto that as well. And we're, we're up and down all over the place. Um, but accepting that that's the case can be quite quite helpful in knowing what your coping mechanisms are for the days that you feel great and the days that you feel bad. Um, I also suffer really badly with premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So that's where for the week or so before my period, I can barely focus as a human. I become very anxious and irritable, can't really focus on anything. Um, this is really difficult for my husband to to deal with, and yet somehow he he does. You should probably get him on a podcast to to answer this question. Uh, but I'll I'll try. I think the the communication side of things is is key. So for kind of anybody supporting, whether it's a partner, a flatmate, a friend, a coach, you know, is is always having that open dialogue and ask ask how you can help. Again, it's very individual. I don't know how I'll be feeling all the time or when it will be bad when it'll be good but what what my husband and I do know is that there'll be times where I'm not not okay and kind of accepting again that we don't necessarily know when that will will be but having that conversation about how he can support when it comes out of nowhere that suddenly I'm you know screaming about a teaspoon left in the sink which you know sounds sounds laughable but is a very real thing that you know any woman dealing with different times of the month will will go go through so encouraging that conversation about how you can support knowing that at times it might be to get out the the way at times it might be to just listen without the need for for solutions I think particularly as a as a male who has no experience of of period pains at, at any level you can feel completely and utterly helpless because you you can't you don't go through it you don't know what to do you don't know how to help but actually sometimes you don't need to provide the solution you just need to be there and be that that ear that arm you know whether it's you know a coach getting out of the pool and going okay I, you know I, I don't know the pain that you're going through but I understand that you can't train 
train right now what can I do similarly for my husband you know he, he doesn't know what I'm going through but he he sees it quite quite a lot so asking what he can do in that moment I think trying not to be confused or frustrated when symptoms are unpredictable is a really key one um, and, and be prepared to be in the firing line which you know sounds like a silly thing to say because you shouldn't have to feel like you you, you know you're in the firing line and it's not an easy place to be but that's part of being being human you're with your your partner or flatmates and friends through you know through the good and through the bad they're a stronger person for for living through something like endometriosis so accepting that a lot of the time it's not personal you just happen to be the first line of defense you know in the way and that's you know that's that's not a helpful thing necessarily to say but I think it's a very true true thing um I think then as well when supporting an athlete specifically are there things you can you know do together can you can you go for a swim or swap that run for a walk together so that they know that you're there and it doesn't always have to be about that that intense intense training even if you don't live with an athlete yourself you know my husband did an Ironman because he got a bit of FOMO and now we'll probably never do one again but we can go for a walk together so being there for those kind of things um I think the final thing on that as well is is Sometimes I resent my body. Sometimes I'm in awe of it. I don't want to be told I'm amazing, but sometimes a reminder, you know, from your support crew, from your support network, that you're doing pretty good. You know, even though you might not feel like like it at the moment when you're curled on the bathroom floor, but actually you're you're doing pretty well. Whether that's in life or as an athlete, I think that can go that can go a long way. There's definitely a, a useful set of um, set of advice, I guess, for for anybody. Um, you know, as you say, housemate, coach husband, uh, wife, partner, it doesn't matter you know, to, to hear that as well. A lot of the conversation that we've had have, has been around endometriosis and the impact of it uh, on you. But what I want to see and hear from you is what are the kind of the core things that the principles that you can take from how you've managed and dealt with endometriosis that I could take as a Okay, I'm not really that much of an athlete anymore, but you know, as, <laughs> as someone who, you know, the everyday person, male or female, not someone who's necessarily suffering from, um, you know, period cramps or pains, which are a lot more severe, or even endometriosis or anything like that, but we're all going to have things which get thrown our way. What, what are the kind of the core principles that you found have been really effective, uh, or you would sort of offer to people and say, you know, something, these are the things which I've learned, and it would be great for you to, you know, consider yeah, good question. I think um, one of them would be that it, it is possible to be an athlete, you know, with a chronic condition, sure, but full full stop, you know, whatever it is, the, the, the demon that you're tackling, whether it's that you were just a bit of a slow runner at school and you didn't think you could ever do an Ironman, but actually it's possible to do do the thing you want to do. You've just got to figure out how to train alongside it. It might be that you've just had a baby and you're trying to figure out how to complete your park run whilst being up and having no sleep every night but it if there is always a way around it it might you might need adjustments it might take you longer you might have to have some difficult conversations with with your coach about how you're gonna how on earth you're gonna do it but there is there is a way um you know it's all relative it's not about completing an Ironman it's about you know finding the thing that you want to to do so I think there is always a way um talk talk about it so again whether it's a condition like endometriosis or it's just your, how you're going to manage it around your lifestyle talk about that with your coach with your friends find a fellow athlete you'll find that most people are going through something um you know we're here talking about endometriosis because it's endometriosis month um that's a really important topic but that's not unique to endometriosis everybody is doing 101 different things particularly us age groupers you know we fit this around everything else we're we're doing and everybody will be struggling with with something trying to train alongside it so having that conversation about it um I guess coming back more specifically to well female gynecological health conditions most coaches really do want to learn they want you to do do well we want to work together and kind of achieve those goals there's a big drive to be more open about female health so you'll probably find that people are very open to to talking about it if you instigate those those conversations even if it's just dealing with your period pains again not just but you know it might not be that you've got a diagnosed condition but you're just figuring out how to to train around that like you said Phil there's no there's not much science necessarily grounding it yet so it's about finding your individual way through but have that conversation 
um, again, with anybody being finding your limits, working with them, being kind to yourself, knowing which days are the days to to push through and which are the moments to stop is is key, and maximizing the the good days and, and enjoy them. That's not limited limited to endometriosis. Everyone's got the the things, the knee injury, the the no sleep from the kids that they're they're going through. But but when you maximize the good days and enjoy it, you'll you'll fall in love with the sport. You'll remember why you why you're doing it and then you've done it having gone through gone through hell so that's that's a superpower i would totally agree with that um <laughs> i think you know you are you are definitely an example of superpowers and, and using it in a, in a really positive way and all stemming from that joy of movement i wonder if there's anything within that list of um i guess advice that you can give to other athletes that you would if you could turn back the time in the clock a little bit and sort of say you know younger version of millie you know, these are some things and a bits of advice that I'd love to give you. What would you do differently or what, what would you want to, to tell yourself? I think on a human level, I would, I would say be brave and talk about it. You know, I, I was misdiagnosed for 10 years. I got told I had irritable bowel syndrome and a lot of my symptoms are gut related. Um, but it clearly wasn't that there was a lot more, more to it. And I've had a load of my insides removed. Um, but being brave and, and talking about it, moving in the right direction with people opening up about it but when I was first ill even the word period was so so taboo so kind of trusting your gut that you know you know there is something wrong and really pushing for that diagnosis or conversation with doctors I think is is really important I would I would go back and do that slightly differently and really push for it um you know I was embarrassed to suggest that it might be something wrong with my my periods and now I would say if you know if you think there's anything wrong that there might well be not necessarily anything drastic but it's definitely worth pushing pushing for it um I, I think as well it's gonna sound a bit cliche but um I, I would I would tell that 13 year old me kind of sitting there that actually you can you can do so much more than you ever thought you could you do it is it is a superpower and there'll be days where it feels like it's the opposite of that um but actually you'll you'll find how to use it to be the best version of yourself as an athlete but also outside of you know triathlon as well and you know by doing that you'll help so many other people use their use their superpower as well I'm going to get quite emotional <laughs> before we get down <laughs> to the too emotional bit I think that's a really beautiful way to um to sort of I guess write that note back to yourself which is lovely and and there are going to be people as you say inspiring who are in that position and and you know hopefully they do listen to this and or this is a resource that they might find and uh they can think about and, and, and hear you and, and learn from it. So I think, Millie, I'd really like to know, the tagline for this podcast is uh, Believe, Strive, Achieve. What does Believe, Strive, Achieve mean to you? And how is it applied in your experiences? That's a, that's a great a great question. Um, I think for me, the, the believe side of things is is believing in what my body can can do and believing in the, the why. So we've spoken about you know, my personal why, but also getting others to find their their happiness, whether that's an Ironman or whether it's their local park run. Um, striving for me is about the striving to be the best version of, of me each day. And that can mean different things. So sometimes that'll be smashing out a PB and sometimes that'll be sitting on the sofa eating a jar of Nutella and both of those are great and that's that's okay. Um, and then the achieve side of things I think is is also twofold. So I've got some some lofty triathlon goals you know which one we're gonna we're gonna strive for um hopefully one day achieve but also kind of you know if we're sitting here this time next year chatting away about endometriosis for endometriosis month march 2023 you know i'll have achieved you know a certain level of things if if i've enjoyed the sport for the next year and enjoyed the training and had a whale of a time time doing it so it's both the lofty ambitions and also just kind of the the getting through each day having a good time Nice, very good. So we're going to move on to quick fire round. A few quick questions. We're going to keep these very succinct. Um, we say optimistically. So, swim, bike, or run? Swim. Um, what for you is a measure of good coaching? Oh, that's not a succinct answer. Go for it. Um, an open conversation and working individually with with the athlete to help achieve achieve what what their goals are. Go for it. That's good. And uh, what do you feel are key characteristics? characteristics or values to take you in and through life and sport uh integrity and being true to to yourself whatever that means so for you know being true to 
being true to me is very important. Um, adventure and enjoyment. So, you know, adventure can mean a whole load of things. But if I'm not having an adventure through life, then I think I'm I'm doing it wrong. Um, those would be my kind of top top two. And then, you know, the, the other one that always carries me through is I'm I'm very loyal to the things and the people that I that I love. What's your favourite race? Do you have a bucket list race that you'd like to do? Oh, what a question. Um, uh, Kona is on the bucket list, although actually I'm starting to get more excited about these triathlons that are not standard distance races and you kind of go halfway up a, an Alp or like Alp de Wears triathlon would be, would be up there, I think. Nice. Giving me a slight heart attack here as a coach, thinking, right, what's next? I mean, you, start, you know, you're always worried as a coach. You're like, what's your bucket list Back race? And they're like, oh, I like to swim the channel and then ride to Kathmandu and then run to Everest or something crazy like that. And you're like, oh, great. Um, uh, what's your best sporting memory or triathlon memory? Gosh, what a good question. Um, I think ha- completing Weymouth, which was my first 70.3, it has to be has to be up there. Um, I, Despite saying I believe in everything I can do, there are moments you know, in the training that I didn't think this body would be able to carry me over the line, but I did, and I did it with a smile on my face, although slightly behind my husband, which was a bit devastating. That's all right. We'll, we'll get him next time. <laughs> And uh, I think I might, well, I actually don't know if I know the answer to this one. Uh, would you rather win Kona or a gold medal at the Olympic Games? Oh, Kona. Kona. No, I changed my mind. <laughs> Not succinct answers then. Go on then, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's redo this question. Um, no, I think, I, th- I think the uh, Olympics, because I think I can get through to more people that way. I think triathlon is still quite a niche sport or the growing in popularity. So, you know, the Olympics is a bigger platform. What an amazing way to finish the podcast with that comment. Thank you very much, Millie Pelmore, for, for joining me today talking about um, endometriosis, which I know is, is obviously a topic that you are um, passionate about living through and, and keen to, I'll use the word inspire again, uh, inspire other, other ladies who, who are suffering through this and, and help them um, you know, try and achieve something a little bit more than maybe they thought they could do and, and see what is actually possible. So, uh, thank you so much for joining me. I uh, really appreciate it and uh, hope you had uh, had fun. No, thank you for having me on. I think that's a mark of a good coach, exploring a topic you, you don't know much about and want to learn more about. So yeah, great, great to be here and chat about all things endometriosis. Thank you. Philip, this was a very, very interesting uh, podcast. I learned quite a lot. Um, what were the key points you can take from, from this one? Yeah, thanks, Diego. Um, yeah, wow, that was it was really interesting, and I know Millie didn't like using the word, you know, inspiring, um, and she tried to avoid using it quite a few times in the conversation, but ultimately had to because you know, what, what she's going through is really, really inspiring for other people who who may have endometriosis or otherwise. But I think you know what, what the kind of key points, what my learning points, it, there, there are loads. Um, I guess as a coach, for me. Um, you know, I got another layer of understanding around what she's going through. We've spoken about this now for about a year. I mean, when I first started working with her and had that initial introductory phone call, I could really—I was really struggling to work out how to even say endometriosis, let alone know what it what it did. And and here, as she says, you know, no one's really an expert and understands anything about it. And I certainly would profess to be nowhere near any of that. Um, but having a bit of empathy and being able to understand what uh, what someone's going through, I think, is really pretty powerful. And, and hearing her speak about it is, is also you know, very um, very interesting and, and useful to hear as a coach. But um, yeah, I think I think what, what, what my key learnings. I think my key learnings would be um, that it, I mean, aside from the fact that ten percent of women have a form of endometriosis at a lesser or, more, or you know very severe level. And it's taken an average seven years for people to be diagnosed, which is amazing to think that, you know, people are going through this through life very frequently having significant pain and assuming that that's normal. So I guess my my biggest learning point was to sat there going, you know, how, how, how is that even something which you can go through? Um, you know, especially when you're dealing with athletes where we're fine tuning athletes and you know, they, they know if they're slightly off, if, you know, muscles aren't firing properly or they're not feeling feeling like they're really quite maybe swimming really well or you know that ability to fine-tune that feeling is usually very very high in athletes uh, and yet here mm-hmm. we have something which is crippling somebody uh, on a regular basis and that's just normal for them and I think that for me was the most shocking learning point that I had 
Um, and so hopefully the, the conversation goes a small way to trying to help other people recognize that it's not, not necessarily normal for them. Uh, to be honest with you, I think that one of the, the ways to create awareness of, of something is talk about it. And I think this was one of the key points I can take from this podcast. Um, the same as you before this, I didn't know what uh, endometriosis was. Uh, even five minutes ago, I was struggling to say the word. So this was quite, quite uh, interesting and to, to bring this kind of alert that women, some women can suffer from this. And this is a huge percentage, as you, as you said. Um, and for us as coaches, having this kind of dialogue with the athletes, trying to understand what they are going through, what are the symptoms. Of course, we cannot put ourselves uh, as male coaches in their shoes, but we can try to understand the pain that they are going. Um, so I think that communication can be a, a very big point on this one. Um, so this, this was a huge eye-opener for, for me uh, in terms of a, of a coach. Um, did you take any big lesson um, out of this? Yeah, I think the big lesson, uh, well, there's a few different lessons in there, I, I, I think. The big lesson for me was that we, you know, we're dealing here with an athlete who's obviously exceptionally driven, um, you know, very driven as an individual. Um, and I, but let's just peel that back a little bit. Um, I think that the real takeaway, and I guess the takeaway which anybody, and I know Millie was really careful to try and say, you know, for, for me, it's endometriosis. For other people, it might be other life events which get in the way. And her technique um, of identifying any points of adversity and turning that into an opportunity is probably one of the best things you could you could take on as an athlete. You know, um, the, <laughs> endurance athletes like doing endurance things. You know, ultimately, the whole point about endurance is to see who is the last man or woman standing. You know, you're you're kind of pushing on to see how far you can go, and you're pushing yourself to a limit, which isn't necessarily a, you know who can go the fastest or the highest, but it's it's kind of you know who can endure for a prolonged period of time. So it's something we're all very very good at, but I think that. Um, as as individuals and athletes that it's very easy to endure something um or kind of have something happen to you and and look for blame or look to try and sort of say well that's it i can't do anything and millie's approach is actually very different it's like okay well you know this is an opportunity for me to get better at dealing with um this if it comes on race day or this is an opportunity for me to practice my nutrition when i know i'm not in a very good way and i think that's an amazingly powerful a technique or tool that anybody can take away and say you know something uh you know life happens shit happens and um i've got two choices here the only thing i can really control is is my choice and my attitude and uh, if your attitude is one of more positivity and sort of saying right okay there's something good that can come out of this i just need to find it that is you know that's going to stand anyone in a great position and suddenly if you find yourself towing the start line your goggles snap this is an opportunity now I've got an opportunity or you've already practiced it. So it's not a problem. So I think that um, was probably one of my, my big takeaways. I think, yeah, just to, turning a, a negative into a positive. Um, that's a conclusion we can make out of this. And it's, it's amazing that Millie was able to give us her uh, perspective on, on how things uh, work for her. And um, it's a shame that we don't have access to too much information about um, all these kind of uh, issues or situations, um, especially think, in female sports. And I think that was really interesting. That balance was um, obviously playing in her her, her own mind. Um, you know, we we asked the quick fire questions at the end, and uh, you know, we have we have a list of them which we use with with athletes and uh, and people we have on the show. And one of them is, would you choose to win Kona? Would you choose to you know win in the Olympics and have an Olympic gold or Olympic medal rather? And it was really interesting that she genuinely couldn't choose between Kona, which was something that she personally really wanted to do, and the Olympics, which is where she recognised that she had a bigger platform to then go and spread the word of endometriosis, the impact it has on athletes' lives like her. Um, and that sort of juxtaposition, that ability to try and balance, you know, what what is it I'm trying to do here? What's the best thing, not just for me, but also for the other people, um, I think was was... I think quite illuminating uh, in terms of how that is because there isn't that much advice out there and uh, you know she she 
the first step, as you said, is talking about it. And she's desperately trying to do a job of that one. But you can see how that's sort of tearing her from one way to the other of an athlete, what I really want to do. And actually, what's the bigger thing that I can try and do as well? Yeah, I agree. Um, if we want to have access to some more information about endometriosis, um, where can we find uh, information about it? So um, she's kindly sent across some um, links, which I know we're putting at the bottom of the uh, the show notes. So um, if you're if you're listening to this one, head over to the, the show notes and check it out. Um, there's a there's a link to the UK charity, which is endometriosisuk.org, uh, and there's a lot of information there. And then recently, I know Two Twenty Triathlon Magazine uh, put a post up around um, training and exercising with endometriosis. Uh, which is also worth a read, and there's some information again on the um, on the BBC, uh, which um, I think um, was a, a news article looking into a few different female athletes as well. And there's um, there's some stuff in there. So she's sent over those links, which you can check out um, at at the bottom. And I think the the one which I found I guess quite moving um, was when you look at it from a coach's perspective. You know, because if if we say there's there's very li- limited information around it as an athlete. Yeah. So, you know, or as, as a, as, first of all, there's limited information about it. As an athlete, there's even less information around it. And then if you're a coach who's trying to deal with it, you know, she talked about that really sad story about how she had to get out of the pool because she was in so much pain and she had to almost have an argument with the coach. So not only is she in a position where she's in a lot of pain, but that coach is like, well, why aren't you doing the swimming session? And all they needed was that metaphorical arm to be put around them and say, you know, hey, look, I don't understand exactly what you're going through, but I understand it's really hard. Let's let's talk about it. Let's work out how we can you know can get you doing it. You need to go out of the pool and take some time at the moment. That's okay. And I think it's um, it's not just a piece about how can we um, bring the athlete um, you know, in more information, but also how can we get that information to the people who are in key positions to help that athlete and they're ultimately you know help them flourish as an individual. And I think that's sort of I guess a tie-in with all the where you can get more information, but also recognise there's stuff to learn as well. Philip, thank you so much for this. Um, I'd like to thank Tumini also for her um, contribution to to give people uh, more awareness of the endometriosis. I hope that uh, those who are listening can take something out of it. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to the next chapters. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Believe Strive Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at trytrainingharder. Thanks for listening.